0: Good morning, Crestview Baptist Church. Good morning. Uh, you can do better than that. Come on now. Good morning. Very good. Ain't it good to be in God's house this morning? I'm uh, not Chad. I don't know if you're aware, but Chad and Laura and Artie and Ginger and uh, Sandra and Whitey are all away at the Baptist Association's ministry retreat this morning. So we're going to be doing it without them. I'm sure their hearts are with us. And uh, we've got a few announcements uh, this week. Uh, we're having a WMU meeting at Pat Hammett's house at six o'clock this coming Thursday. Is that right, Thursday? Yes. Okay. So if if you have any questions, get ask Joy or Pat about how to get there. It's at six o'clock at Pat's house. Also, the same night, Thursday at six, the Baptist Men are going to meet here at the church to do some work. So if you can be here with that, to uh, you know, make sure you can see if you can participate in that. Also, next Sunday. We're having a chili cook-off at 5.30 the raise funds for the Youth and Children's Camp. And if you want to cook some chili, just get with Pastor Chad this week. When he'll be back. So just get with him and let him know you're going to bring a, a pot of your own special recipe. And we'll see how, if we can raise some money and without getting heartburn. <laughs> and, uh, of course, then the next Saturday, March 2nd, we'll have our breakfast for, sponsored by the Baptist Men. and. If you if you don't usually participate in cooking, that's okay. Come if you want to help cook. But even if you don't, come on out and 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 just eat. You know, make a donation and eat you some good breakfast. And we we've got a lot of folks that come to see us on our breakfast that don't come any other time of the month. People that don't come to church but they come to our breakfast. So we need to be there too to get them interested in coming back in Sunday morning and and meeting with us and just be here to represent our church and. And uh, and take an opportunity to witness. We still have the uh, kids camp coming up in June. And the uh, teen camp, Fuge, Fuge camps coming up in July. The deposit date has just passed. But I'm sure if if you're still interested, you can can catch up with Pastor Chad. We can get you worked in somehow. I don't know how that works. But uh, now uh, there's nothing else. Yes? Oh, yes, I forgot to mention that Artie's got a new granddaughter. And we knew it was coming, but uh, do you know what what, what the name is, Joanne? Ruby Ruby Ray. Ray. Okay. Uh, Oh, a big baby. Nine pounds, three ounces. (laughs) How's mama doing? Uh, I can imagine. Okay, all right, well, I'm going to hand it over to our own Kale. He's going to be preaching the sermon this morning, and we're going to hand it to him and let him come up and uh, talk to us and pray for us. Thank you.
1: Good morning. Let's uh, prepare our hearts this morning and um, go to the Lord, and we will pray. Everybody bow your head this morning. Father God, we just uh, come to you this morning. Um, We thankful, Lord, that uh, we can come into your house today, that we can uh, come and gather as a body of believers to come and celebrate you and your Son, Lord, and what you've done for each and every one of us by going to the cross, going on our behalf, so that we may have life through you. We know, Lord, that we all have different things that we bring in here today. Um, different struggles, different battles that we're all facing um, in our homes, and our jobs, wherever they may be. And we just pray, Lord, that you would uh, be with us today and that you would um, meet us where we are. Help us to have hearts that are willing, willing to yield to your spirit today as you speak to us. Help us, Lord, to give ourselves to you. Make ourselves vulnerable before you today so that you can make us whole, so that you can make us new as you desire to do. And we pray this in Christ's name, amen.
2: Our call to worship today is he leadeth me. It's in page 52 of your hymnal, if you'd like to use one this morning, or if not, follow along on the screen. We'll be singing the first and fourth verse of He Leadeth Me. Please stand. be seated at this time we will be begin taking up our offering for today's service let's pray father we thank you for this day and this time together we could be in your house and where lord we can take up an offering to the uplifting and building of your kingdom bless this offering and use it in your will these things i pray in your name The name of the song we're going to do this morning is I Am Thine, O Lord. I'm a little bit nervous about a new song I'm doing this morning, It's, uh, but you'll hear it in just a few minutes, I believe. Just got ahead of myself. Page 290 in your hymnal, I Am Thine, O Lord. We're going to do the first and the fourth verses. Please stand.
3: I am Thine, O Lord, I have heard Thy voice,
4: and it told
3: Enjoy them.
2: Please be seated. Maybe this time it'll be good. The uh, song is It's About the Cross. It's done by the Ball Brothers. I bought it probably a year and a half, two years ago. Uh, Sandra asked me to sing about... uh, Pick a song this morning. Probably a bunch of them that I've done over the years, but uh, this one just seemed to be calling me today. And I hope you enjoy it, and I hope the Lord will.
4: about the manger where the baby laid it's not all about the angels who sang for him that day it's not all about the shepherds or the bright and shining star it's not it's not all about the wise men who traveled from afar it's about the cross it's about my sin it's about how jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again it's about the stone that was rolled away so that you and i could have real life someday It's about the cross. It's not just about the good things in this life I've done. It's not all about the treasures or the trophies that I've won. It's not all about the righteousness that I find within It's all about His precious blood That saved me from my sin It's about the cross It's about my sin It's about how Jesus came to be born once So that we could be born again It's about the stone. That was rolled away So that you and I could have real life someday It's about to cross The beginning of the story is Wonderful and great But it's the ending that can save you And that's why we celebrate about the cross, it's about my sin, it's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again, it's about God's son nailed to a tree, it's about how every drop of blood that flowed from him when it should have been me, it's about the stone. That was rolled away So that you and I could have real life someday So that you and I could have real life someday It's about the cross It's about the cross It's about the cross about love
1: Good morning. Good morning. A beautiful song to get us started this morning. Um, and this is a special day. Um, it's been a special week for the Hubbard family um, as they self so celebrate their new grandbaby. And it's also been a so, uh, special week for me as well. Uh, this was Amy and I's 33rd uh, uh, anniversary this week. Um, it was 33 years ago this week that uh, god brought two people together broken and scarred like two old uh, demolition derby cars you'd see out there at the county fair Uh, and for the first first part of our marriage we rammed each other trying to impose each other's will on the other and we did that for a while until Uh, Jesus came into both of our life and began to do some wonderful healing in both of us. and We still crank up them cars from time to time, but it's not near as much as we used to. And so we give God all the glory for that today. And for some of you, you may have come in here today broken and scarred in some way. Maybe somebody has done something to you in your life. Maybe someone who's done something to you in your past that you're having trouble to forgive. And you bring those scars in here with you today. Some of you, it may be that you have done something in your own life. Something that you look back on. Something that you maybe have done recently where you're battling with this and you are struggling to wonder if you can even forgive yourself or if God can forgive you. No matter what you come in here with today, God wants to do a great work in each and every one of us. He wants to restore each and every one of us in whatever way that is. And I pray today that you will be open to that, that you will be open to his moving in you today, and that you will hear his voice. And so as we begin with that, I want to pray this morning so that we can get our hearts set as the Lord speaks to us today. Father, we just come before you again, and we just pray that you would be with us this morning. Um, As I said, there are things in our life that we all deal with, that we all battle. Um, None of us are better than the other. We all struggle, and we all need a touch from your healing hand. And we pray today, Lord, that we would be open to receive it today, and that we would hear your voice speak to us. And we pray this in Christ's name. If you turn with me this morning to 2 Corinthians 5.17, you're probably going to recognize a verse that you know pretty well. And if you'll stand this morning, we'll stand and read this first verse here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You may be seated. That's probably one of the most memorized verses in all the Scripture in the church. Most of you have probably heard that verse. Most of you are probably pretty familiar with it. Um, but yet that verse has such an in- eternal impact on who we are. Um, it represents a new creation, a new birth. And that can happen whether you're 7, whether you're 17, or whether you're 70 years old. Um, But it signifies a new birth. And as we look at that today, look at that verse, I believe we need to answer some questions concerning what this verse actually means. Um, How does this birth begin? Um, What are some characteristics of a new creation? Who orchestrates this new birth and brings it forth? And after I've become a new creation, what does God want me to do with that? Those are some of the questions I want us to look at this morning. But before we look at that, I want us to look at Ephesians 2. We're going to be looking at 1 through 5 this morning. If you have your Bible and got your bulletin or taking some notes... Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, Paul's talking to the church in Ephesus, and he says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were of, by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his grace, great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made you alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And so as we look at that ver- uh, those few verses there, there's a common theme I want you to see there. Two words one, I want to want you to circle there. If you're taking notes, it's the words that Paul uses that says alive and dead. What Paul is doing there is he is describing not the physical nature of a person. He's describing the spirit, the spiritual condition of a person. That's what he was saying here to the church in Ephesus: this is who you were. Um this person inside of you, you were once dead, uh, past, uh, past tense. The reason you were dead was because you were living in trespassings and sins. Because, he says, of the way you once lived, when you walked according to the pattern in this world, according to the power of the air, which is Satan, the spirit that works in the sons of disobedience. What Paul was saying here is the way you lived your life, the way you conducted yourself, um, the things that you did, you were spiritually dead to the things of God. Your very nature was to do evil. Your very nature was to think evil. Your very nature was to carry it out. And ultimately what was missing was you were missing God's standards. You were walking in sin, and there was no life in you, is what Paul was saying. And because each and every one of us comes from the seed of Adam and Eve, we all are affected. Um, Each person born carries that seed, that sin nature of death that Paul was talking about. And you can test it. You can test it. Watch it when you have a little child and you take something away from them. You're going to get two reactions. One, they're going to scream and yell. Or the other, they're going to get mad and pout in the corner. You also can test that on an adult, and you'll see that a lot too. Um, But also notice what what Paul says in verse 4 through 5. He says, But God, remember that today, who is rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive with Christ by grace you have saved. He was reminding the church there, even when we were walking the way that we were walking, Christ came on our behalf so that we could be made right with God, so that we could be made alive again, so that we could be made new. Um. The truth of what Paul is saying is foreign to most people today. Um, If you went up to witness to someone and you said to a person who was lost that you were dead, they'd probably look at you like you were crazy. Um, But that mindset of being spiritually dead is not in the minds of most people. Most people are carrying out their daily life, they're going to school, they're going to work, they're taking care of kids, they're getting their finances in order, and so being spiritually dead does not come to the forefront of most people's minds. And the reality is a man or a woman or a young person, they can be in the best shape they can be. They can be climbing mountains, they can be running marathons, they can be top at the top of the business world, they can come to church Sunday after Sunday, and yet be tragically and utterly spiritually dead with no pulse toward the things of God. That's the reality of what Paul was saying. But here's the good news this morning. The same Jesus that raised Lazarus from the dead is the same one that can raise you to new life this morning. He can raise you to new life if I'm speaking to you today. And so if you will, you turn with me over to 2 Corinthians we're going to look at that first verse that we read this morning. Second Corinthians five seventeen. And We're going to camp out here for just a moment. I'm going to begin in 16 and 17. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh... Yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I want to give you a little background on what was going on here in this context of this passage. Uh, What was happening here in the church in Corinth, Paul had founded this church in Corinth four years before he had uh, -written, written this second letter. And at the time, what was going on, there was false teachers who had come into the church in Corinth. They were spreading slanderous lies about Paul, uh, saying that he couldn't be trusted. They were there uh, as false teachers to benefit themselves financially, to see, see what they could gain from it. And so they were trying to get Paul out of the way, out of the church. And so they were seeking to get people to fall for their lie that Paul couldn't be trusted. Uh, that he couldn't be counted on. And any time that somebody's trying to do the work of Christ, somebody's trying to grow the body, Satan is always going to put people in place to try to thwart that message. That's what was happening here. They were trying to thwart the message of the gospel. They were trying to thwart the message of this church growing in Christ but there was something that set Paul apart from these false prophets that I want us to see and that was that he had had an encounter with Christ on the Damascus road. Paul had become a new creation. He was different. The fruits of his ministry proved he was different. That's what set him apart from these false prophets. That he was different. And if you look back at verse 16, I want us to see something here important. He says, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. What Paul was saying was there was a time when you viewed people based only on their fleshly outside. You didn't look at their spiritual condition before you were changed. As a matter of fact, we didn't even look at Christ that way, is what Paul was saying. We didn't look at him as we do now. We looked at him as he was just a man. We didn't see him as any different. But now that we have been changed, oh, how we know him now. If you remember, it was Paul who formerly was Saul that was actually saying Jesus was a false prophet and now it's come back on him isn't that funny how it works uh, sometimes but that words there that he says yet now we know him thus no longer what Paul is meaning there is and applies to many people today at one time we were referring to himself and those in the church we only had Paul was saying was a head knowledge of Christ um but now we have this heart knowledge of Him. We know Him. That word "know" means to intimately know Him. Um, you know, you, you think about—we just watched the Super Bowl a couple weeks ago or a week ago. I can't even remember. But every one of us, we saw a lot of famous athletes. We, we knew. You know, I knew who they were. Um, I knew their names. But if I came up to them, they wouldn't know who Cal was. I, knew the, I know them only in name. And there's many people, I'm afraid, that are in the church today who know Christ only by either a manger scene, maybe a cross that is up-pictured, or maybe even when Easter comes around. That's the depth of their knowledge of Christ. And so Paul reminds these believers here in verse 17, he says, therefore, if anyone, when you think about anyone, that stretches across all boundaries. That stretches across all racial boundaries, all cultural boundaries, all ethnicities. That means anyone. He says, he is a new creation meaning they are different than they once were. One of Paul's favorite terms in his letters to the church he uses is in Christ, in Lord, in him. He uses that like 164 times, so that means that is a big deal, um, to be in Christ. And so when you think about it, what does it mean to be in Christ? What does that literally mean? Well, I think maybe a good way I can sort of explain it maybe this morning is When you think about something being grafted, you think about a tree that has a root, and then there's a limb, and then you have a separate limb that is cut off, and then you cut that main limb, and then you begin to graft it into that limb, and then you tape it together, and then all of a sudden, it begins over time to have new life. It begins to bud out. It becomes new. That limb apart on its own will ultimately die, but when it's placed inside, it begins to bear forth and become new. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches, he said to his disciples. That means to be connected to him through his Holy Spirit is to be in him. Paul says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Well, what does that mean to be, become a new creation? I want us to look this morning at John 3. Turn over in your Bible to John 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 this morning. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. And said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus said, answered, and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so you have Nicodemus, he is a teacher of law, of the law of the Jews. He is well respected. He comes to see Jesus at night because he doesn't want anybody to see what he's doing. And so he comes by night. He comes to see him. He begins to hopefully discuss some theology with Jesus. And as he begins to proceed in uh, speaking with Jesus, Jesus pulls up the emergency brake on him. If you notice that right off the bat, he says something right off the bat. He says, Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He pulls up the emergency brake on his theology, and he gives him the truth right off the bat that unless you were born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, being a teacher of the law, looked at the law as a way to be made right with God. That was the problem with many in the nation of Israel. They were looking to be made right with God by a relationship of no intimacy. It was a relationship in their mind of knowing a set of rules to try to live by. And so what Jesus was saying to him, and then Nicodemus, if you look down in verse 5 and 6... Jesus answered, Most surely I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Nicodemus, you have been born of the flesh. You have been born of the flesh, but you need to be born of the Spirit. If you want to see the kingdom of God, you're going to have to be born of the Spirit. There's going to have to be a change in you. There's going to have to be a new start, Nicodemus. There's going to have to be new life that comes. You must be born again. I want you to think about that. If you're going to become a creation, you've got to be dependent on somebody. For you, your two parents came together, and there, there you are. You were born. You had this new little spirit about you. Me and Amy have three great, three, three great... Uh, not great but wonderful grandchildren that we think are pretty special and each one of them has a different spirit about them but th- to become a new creation that Paul was talking about what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus was to be born again and then Nicodemus you must turn away from religion and find true religion and a relationship with me That's what you need You need me You're looking for the answer The answer is standing right before you Some of you You've been looking for the answer Jesus is the answer He's been standing right before you You haven't been willing to come to him Nicodemus was searching He was looking All of us Whether we want to admit it or not We are searching We are looking for something We are hoping We're in a world right now that is looking and searching for something, and Jesus is the only answer to that. That's what he was saying to Nicodemus. And when a person is willing, as Nicodemus, I believe, at some point was, as Scripture says, when a person is willing to surrender their life to Christ, they become a new creation. I want you to listen to Ezekiel 36, 26. God says, I will give you a new heart, a new spirit, put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. What God says is when you surrender your life to my son, when you commit your life to him, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you a new spirit in you. I'm going to remove that heart of stone, that rebellious, that stubbornness that you have toward me, and I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a heart that has a tenderness to you that you've never had before, a tenderness toward me that's willing to yield to me. That's what it means to become a new creation. And I want to ask you this morning, is there anything that stands out about you that testifies that you are a new creation? Something different, something that people can see, something people that in your family can see, people on your job, people that are your friends, can they see that you are a new creation? Because there should be some things that stand out about your life if you are truly born again. And I want to give you some of those characteristics this morning that would have represented Paul so that they would have known that he was a true apostle and so that people will know that you are a true believer and so that you'll know it for yourself. I'm going to give you some characteristics this morning of what that means. If you turn over to John this morning, uh, well, no, it'll be actually Luke 19. Turn over to Luke 19. I want to give you an example of a man that most of us remember. One of the first characteristics that should be a part of who you are as a new creation is a changing character. Your character should be different than what it was before. If you've been born again, you will have a difference in character from who you were. If you remember the story of Zacchaeus, you remember he was a little man. Uh, He was a chief tax collector. Um, Don't know if because he was small in stature that he might have used some of his frustration, uh, maybe being small, I don't know, to maybe uh, punish others. But what he often did was, since he was a chief tax collector, he extorted extra money from the Jews And he enriched himself. That's the way he conducted his business. And one day, he knew Jesus was coming by, or he heard that he was coming by, and he made the effort to climb up to where Jesus could see him. If you remember that story, I'm sure you do from your Sunday school. And Jesus sees him, sees that he's searching and that he's looking. he says, Zacchaeus, I must come to your house. And so he comes to Zacchaeus's house, and they have a conversation, and then we begin to see a change in character. I want you to look at what he says in verse 19. Uh, I mean, chapter 19, verse 8. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore it fourfold. When you hear what he says here, I want you to think about his change of character. He was a man who had money, and now he says, I want to give half of it to the poor. I don't want to just give a tenth. We make a big deal about a tenth. He wanted to give half of it to the poor. He had a change in character. He said, I want to pay back four times anybody that I've cheated. I want to pay them back. He had a change in character. When he got with the risen Christ, there became a change in who he was. He became a new creation. And Jesus said, salvation has come to this home. And I want to ask you this morning again, has there been a change in your character? You know, one of the things I did right after I got saved was go out and witness. But the next thing I did was I went to my mom's house. And I apologized to her for the way I treated her as a teenager. That was one of the things I wanted to try to correct. And my mom, because she's merciful like all moms are, said, son, you weren't that bad. Yeah, I was. (laughs) But in her mercy, she said, no, you weren't that bad. But see, the Spirit of God was working in me like he was Zacchaeus. I wanted to rectify my wrongs. There was a difference that God had placed in me. There was a change. A new creation in Christ has a change in motivation. What motivates you? What excites you? Um, When you become new in Christ, instead of becoming self-serving, Christ makes you about people serving. When you think about your own life, Are you serving your family? Or are you expecting them to serve you? Because when you become a new creation, Christ makes it about other people. And he gives you that desire to make it about other people than just yourself. After his conversion, Paul's motivation, his desires align with his Savior. His greatest desire was to see all people from all different backgrounds come to Christ and grow in discipleship as believers. That was his desire. That's what was separating him from them false teachers. That's what he was letting them know. There was a difference in me. Different in my passions. Different in my motivations. And you say, yeah, well, but Paul was one of them serious believers. You don't have to be like that to be a, be a, be a believer. You don't have to be, be all into that like he was. Well, the Apostle Paul did more than any of us will ever do. Um, most of this New Testament was written by him, by the power of the Holy Spirit. But Paul's desires, his motivations aligned with Christ. And if our motivations and our desires do not align as Paul's did, then there is something dead wrong in our relationship to God. A new creation has a change in values. I'll ask you this morning, has your morality changed? Is there something different about how you view things? Guys, when men are talking filthy, At work, do you stand with them? Do you hang out with them or do you get away from them? Has there been a change in your morality? Amy and I just started dating, and this is before I was a believer. I went over to her mom's house one evening, and everybody in the house was getting ready, and I did like I always did. I went and flopped on the couch and flick flicked on the TV. And I turned it on this channel that wasn't, all, well, wasn't probably the cleanest that I should be watching. Of course, by today's standards, they probably rated G. But Amy's mom walked, walked in there as I was watching that program, and she said, Kale, I want you to turn that filth off of my television. My young son is in this room, and I don't want him to see well, what you're watching. When she said that, that offended me so bad because it was conviction on what I was doing. But but she was right. Today, that young son of hers is a senior pastor. Today, her son-in-law is preaching to you. That's the power of making the right decision. David said in Psalm 101, 3, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. Does that apply to you this morning? Because what we put before our eyes, and let me tell you something, God's got a greater search engine than Google does. What we put before our eyes on a continual basis reveals a lot about where our spiritual condition is. It tells us a lot about where we are right now spiritually what you were setting before your eyes a new creation if you'll turn to first John 4 7 through 8 we'll look at that verse this morning has a new love for people beloved let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I'm ask you this morning: Do you love others above yourself? Because if you are a new creation, John says here, you will have a new love for other people, a new love that you did not have before, a love that you wasn't able to do before a genuine love and the model of the kind of love that Christ had for us the kind of love that died for us unconditionally when we wanted nothing to do with Christ when we had nothing to do with him period he was dying on the cross John is saying here if you're a new creation you're going to have that kind of love not going to be perfect not always going to be like you want it to be but that will be the kind of desire that you'll have you will love people not a, not conditionally but with more of an unconditional love how's that word working out for you? how's that working out in your family right now? how's that working out with some of the people you work with? maybe that boss who's rude to you unkind how are you doing at loving him or her? Jesus said in Luke 6.32, If you love those who love you, what credit is that? What Jesus is saying is, If you love people that only love you, big deal. What does that prove? That doesn't show anything. Even sinners are able to do that. Even lost people. Even people who are spiritually dead that have no feeling toward God, they can love people. What is that that you're showing if that's the only way that you can love is if people are loving you back in the way that you want? One of the tests, one of the characteristics of a new creation is the ability to love the unlovable. How are you doing with that this morning? Another characteristic this morning I want us to uh, close with is this characteristic of being transformed was a family that moved from a remote area or that were visiting the big, big city uh, one day. And as they got to this big grand hotel, they just stood in amazement at what they saw. And as they went to the reception desk and they began to walk over the elevator, they had never even seen an elevator before, so they didn't even know how, how the thing worked. And so they're just standing there and they're looking at it. And then all of a sudden, this old older lady comes hobbling over to the elevator. She goes inside. About a minute later, it opens back up, and there's this beautiful, good-looking woman that comes out. (laughs) And the daddy starts tapping his son, staring at this woman, and he says, Son, go get your mother. It seems like everybody is looking to restore something. Everybody's looking to restore a house. Everybody's just looking to restore how we look. There's only one thing that can be restored that is being restored, and that is the child of God who has been sanctified and is being sanctified by God himself. That is the only restoration that truly lasts. Hebrews 2:11 If you look there this morning For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified all are of one for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren It is God his son that makes you holy Meaning when you place your faith in him, he declares you as righteous. Not because of anything you've done, not anything because I've done, anything we've said. It is by him and him alone who sanctifies and makes you holy. You become righteous because of Christ when you become a new creation. And none of us are going to be made this perfect this side of heaven um no matter how much we would like to be no matter how much we would like for areas of our life to drift away that hinder us none of us will be made perfect this side of heaven but if you're a new creation in God he is transforming you into the image of his son what he is doing is he's pruning away those things in your life that do not match up with the character of and traits of a true believer. And at the same time, what he is doing is he is shaping those things in your life to make you more into the image of his son. He is sanctifying you. And you should be able to look back You ought to be able to look look, look back to this and say, there's areas of my life where I'm not struggling with that same sin anymore. There's areas of my life where I'm getting set free. If you can't look at your life and see where God has delivered you, then there's something wrong that you need to deal with. Because that's what God does. He makes you holy and sanctifies you, and he begins that work in you to make you into the image of his son. And so as you hear these things today about characteristics of what a new creation is, there's certainly aren't all of them. Um, you should have a desire for God's word. There, there should be a hunger there. But as you listen to these characteristics this morning, if you begin to think, well, this do not line up with who I am. Or you begin to pause. There's two things at play here. One is you've never truly surrendered your life to Christ. And that change has begun. Or the other is you've grown cold in your walk with the Lord. And you are no longer walking like you once were. There's two things happening if this is not evident in your life today. Going back to 2 Corinthians 5.17 Paul says, all things have become new. And then he says, old things have passed away. Those old things means that sin no longer has power over you. It no longer has dominion, control over you like it once did. They, all that was buried, crucified at the cross when Christ went, when you placed your faith in him. Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And some of you are thinking, well, if I'm a new creation, if I'm free, then why am I still struggling? If you're struggling, that's a good thing. If you're struggling, you're battling internally, that's a good thing because that tells you that you've got two natures at work there. Turn to Galatians 5, 16, 17 for just a moment. Paul says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. And so what Paul is saying, essentially for you and I today, is before Christ, you had one nature. Your sinful nature. And that sinful nature dragged you wherever it wanted to whether it was sleeping with somebody, whether it was getting drunk, whether it was being arrogant and prideful, it dragged you wherever it wanted to drag you, and you had no power over it. But now the Spirit of God resides in you, and you have been set free. When Paul says a new creation, though, he does not mean that the old nature vanishes away. He's not saying that you're not going to have those lusts anymore. He's not going to say that you're not going to have those temptations anymore. All because you're a new creation. You still have the effects of that old nature in you. And there's no Christ follower who always drives on the narrow road and never runs off in the grass or ends up in a ditch. There is no Christ follower that can always stay on the narrow road. But Paul says the way to stay out of the ditch is to walk in the Spirit. You want to stay out of that ditch of sin? Walk in the Spirit. Surrender your life to Christ day after day after day, yielding yourself to Him, to His Lordship. And you will not fulfill those desires of the flesh. And so if you want to stop struggling in the same sins... And I can say this in my own life. If you're still battling some of the same sins, then if you will get before God and get on your knees humbly before him and repent, God will set you free. He will deliver you. I have seen it in my own life. You will see it in yours. If you are still battling with something that you are really struggling to get free from, get before Jesus And give it to him. He will set you free because no sin has power over Christ. Verses 18 through 20, we have been reconciled for a purpose, Paul says. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Paul reminds the church, and he reminds us, that it was God reconciling us to himself. You and I did not reach up to him. He reached down to us when we were dead in sin, when we were dead in trespasses. He reached down to us through Christ, cleared us of our charges when we pledged our faith in Him. Those charges went over to Christ. Christ made us righteous in Him through His blood. It was God who reconciled us. God didn't have the problem. We have the problem. We were the ones that needed to be brought back. That was God's desire from the very beginning. That's what it's always been. He's always desired to bring you and I back and to restore us. And Paul says, because we have received this, we have received this as a church, we have become ambassadors. Paul said his mission was to plead with others to be reconciled back to God. That was his desire. That should be our desire. As people who have been set free from the power of Christ, we have been called ambassadors. That means Christ no longer walks here on this earth, but his spirit is walking in and through us. And now we become his representatives. Do you know what a great privilege that is? to be an ambassador for the King of Kings, to be able to speak on his behalf, to be able to tell people to be reconciled back to them that they have a hope in Christ, that if they're willing to give their life to him, that they can be set free. That is such a huge benefit that most of us don't even ever take advantage of, this wonderful privilege. Just as Jesus was active seeking to reconcile people like Nicodemus and Zacchaeus to God, we as the church are to be active in that reconciliation as well as his ambassadors. Well, how do we do that? We invest in the lives of other people. We get off the couch. We get out from the comfort zones of our desk at work. We start investing in people. We start getting to know people. We start caring about others needs above ourselves we start discipling we start getting together in a body so that we can become more intimate as a church so that we can share some of our vulnerabilities so that christ can begin to work in us so that we can be restored so that we can be set free as long as we stay in our little comfort zones and stay away from each other, you and I are going to continue to struggle because we can't do this alone. We need one another in the body. That's where restoration comes when we get together. In her book, Hurt People, Hurt People, Dr. Sandra J. Wilson says, what do hurt people look like? Can you recognize them if they pass you on a sidewalk? Yes and no. If they look like human beings, you've seen one. We do a good job of trying to hide our hurts. Some of us do it better than others. But every one of us have been broken and damaged in some way. All of us. None of us are exempt. We live in a broken world. All of us have been hurt. And so as we close this morning, now, if we think about well, what she's saying about being hurt, I bring this back full full circle to where we were at the beginning. What have you come in here with today? What have you been battling that you've been struggling with? not being able to get set free from him. I want to ask you this morning, has God been pleading with you? Has he been calling you to be reconciled back to his son? Has he been putting that on your heart? You've had this uncomfortable, you've had this uneasy feeling about yourself, you were not sure. Holy Spirit's been working on you. To get right with Jesus, to get healed by Him, to get cleansed by Him, so that He can ultimately set you free in your story. So many times, broken people look for a broken world to solve their problems. Whether it's in money, whether it's in friends and relationships, whether it's in both. Only Christ can make you free. Only He some of you reconciliation looks different some of you have drifted in your relationship with the Lord it's kind of like a marriage husband and wife are just going through the motions no depth no intimacy no more feeling like there once was perhaps God is calling you today to make a recommitment. make it right with him, giving him all so that he can heal what's broken inside of him. However he leads you today. I'll be at the front. I'll be glad to break it.
2: Stand please. Hymn, hymn number 294. Have thine own way, Lord. <laughs> <coughs>
4: Have thine own way,
3: Lord, have thine. I don't, I don't know. I don't...
1: pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the sermon we've heard today and the thoughts on reconciliation with you, God. We're just so thankful for you and for you being there for us and for um, the sacrifice that you made for each one of us to be able to come to you, God. We just asked you to be with us as we go to the business meeting shortly, and I especially asked you for my friend laura ledford as she has surgery this week on her back and god just be with her and uh, let her feel your touch during all that she's going to go through we just ask you to be with each and every one of us and be with us as we go through this business meeting in your name we ask amen